This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. It is the dog days of summer, August 6th. 2003. Thankfully, the heat of July has passed into something that is a little more tolerable. Despite comedian Will Durst's claim on the show last week that August in the 916 area appears to expand from May through October. So far, it's been a pretty good August. Now, this, of course, is the time of year when a lot of people pack up and go traveling. I'm sure many of you will find yourselves in the Rocky Mountain region, Glacier National Park, Yellowstone National Park, the Grand Tetons, perhaps Colorado. And we think it'd be a good time to read this public service announcement from the U.S. National Park Service. Now, they've issued a warning this summer for all national forests and national parks. People are being urged to protect themselves from the dangers of grizzly bears. Everyone is urged to protect themselves from bears by wearing bells and carrying pepper spray. Now, campers should be alert for fresh signs of bear activity, and the differences between the rather benign black bear, the dung of the black bear, and the more dangerous grizzly bear should be noted. Now, black bear dung is small and round, and may contain seeds and or squirrel fur, whereas the dangerous grizzly bear's dung contains bells and smells like pepper spray. All right, uh, we have... um, A lot of ground to cover today. There's a huge backlog of current events. We like to do current events in this program, and my God, is it piling up. Uh, We had a lot of fun on last week's show with uh, Will Durst, uh, probably America's foremost political comic, making a brief appearance on our program. We talked to James Israel of the Comic Press, and I think we really, everybody seemed to have enjoyed our talk on Seabiscuit, both the movie with Gary Chu and especially with 83-year-old jockey, Frank Sorcy, who is quite a storyteller, telling us about uh, about being a jockey back in the Seabiscuit era and actually um, riding on the back of the famous horse. Joining us on today's program will be Dr. Leslie Lyons, Assistant Professor of Genetics over at UCD's School of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Lyons has been doing some interesting genetic work on the domestic cat, and she'll be here to tell us about that in our second segment today. Here's an article I wanted to comment on that I noticed buried in the back of the paper. This happened to be I snagged a USA Today on Tuesday. And on page 6D is the following. Resuscitation pioneer Peter Safer dies. Peter Safer, credited with inventing the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation technique, died Sunday at age 79 according to the American Heart Association. It did not give a cause of death. But they did say that, quote, Safer's pioneering efforts and accomplishments in emergency and critical care medicine, resuscitation, life-saving first aid, and disaster triage have saved countless lives. Now, apparently, in the late 1950s, it was Safer who proposed the ABC sequence of resuscitation, ABC being airway, breathing, circulation. 
This included the technique of mouth-to-mouth rescue breathing, which I think anyone who's uh, taken first aid or a scuba course realizes how basic that is to current uh, resuscitation techniques. Mr. Safer was born in Vienna, Austria. He survived a Nazi labor camp and emigrated to the United States where he became a citizen in 1959. So it's interesting to look back and... uh, realized that the Nazi efforts to exterminate people in Europe failed to, uh, you know, achieve their goals, and it failed to claim the life of Peter Safer, thankfully for, really, and I believe that the American Heart Association is correct when it just says saved countless lives. I'm going to try and find uh, some follow-up on that, because I think that this is an interesting story that was just a little blurb in the back of the newspaper that probably deserves a little more attention. I bought that particular USA Today, which I I do not normally make a habit of purchasing because the cover showed an interesting story. Pricey perk lets executives fly high, said the article. And it talked about the fact that one of the perks that has now become essential to corporate uh, wheeling and dealing in this country is the use of the corporate jet. And that uh, the record holder, they list like, you know, a couple dozen people here that spent $100,000 flying jets. And it talks about how some firms put their execs on private jets because of terrorism fears. I, I somehow have a hard time imagining that uh, that Al-Qaeda is targeting someone from Goody's Family Clothing or the Clorox Corporation, but uh, I suppose it's possible. I would think corporations would be keeping a low profile on this sort of thing. I mean, you know, all of the Enron, all the malfeasance, all the WorldCom collapse, all the nonsense corporate America has been up to. But, um, you know, I got to tell you, I've seen it up close and personal myself. Last year, we took a, uh, a check ride, a flight up to a certified friend of mine to, to take airplanes up to high altitude, and we flew up to South Lake Tahoe. And then we took off from the airport there and flew over to Truckee and just sort of walked around and, you know, did a little sightseeing. It's a nice, nice couple of airports up in the Tahoe region. And there were all of these corporate jets lined up on the runway. So we went over and took a look. And the pilots, of course, are, you know, um, young hired guns, proud of the fact that they have this uh, pretty cushy job in life flying these corporate execs around. And they actually showed us around several of these aircraft, which were pretty impressive. And um, as we'd gotten back down off of one, this car came screeching up with this uh, obnoxious individual and his uh, family piled out with their golf bags, tossed them into the jet. They practically ran us over like, you know, what were we doing near their airplane? You know, get away, you rabble. Uh, Got in the plane and uh, taxied and flew away. I asked my uh, flight instructor, who was uh, among the, the party, what that little jaunt must have cost the company that guy worked for. And he said, oh, well, you know, $30,000. So to fly a guy in from Denver or Omaha, wherever it was, to play a little golf in Tahoe is costing the shareholder an awful lot of money. And I think about that every time I hear corporations talk about how they just simply can't afford all these environmental regulations. Uh Uh-huh. Here's an item worthy of some comment. Business section of the B, Tuesday, August 5th. Ag College to cut 72 on staff. Apparently at UC Davis, due to a 16% reduction in the College of Agricultural and Environmental Sciences, they're going to let attrition trim 72 of about 450 faculty positions in the internationally known Ag College. According to Neil Van Alphen, dean of the Davis Ag College, quote, we are eating our seed corn, really compromising our ability to keep California agriculture competitive. 
And I like to put a plug in for agriculture. I grew up in the Bay Area when the Bay Area had farms. I grew up on an orchard. I went to school here at UCD, one of the world's great agricultural institutions. The Central Valley of California is the world's most productive agricultural region. UCD is a vital part of that. The fact that we are sort of letting agriculture go as this valley becomes, you know, Los Angelesified, um, I find very disturbing. Um, case in point, after war- after this show last Thursday, I left the station and, out of curiosity, drove out to Covell Boulevard and took a look at the Hunt Wesson plant. When I was a student at UCD 20 years ago, that's where we worked in the summer, or at least hundreds of students worked in the summer. You worked alongside unskilled labor, people of a dubious documentation, uh, you know, uh, uh, hundreds, seemingly hundreds of Chinese ladies from uh, downtown Sacramento worked in sorting. It was a very interesting experience. The pay was pretty good. It was uh, run by the Teamsters Union. It's all locked and shuttered now, people. I went by and it was really, it just made my heart sink to see what had been this thriving, bustling place producing tomato paste, tomato ketchup. I mean, trucks running through by the dozens every day. Um, Silent. And in its silence, uh, so go the jobs of I don't know how many uh, students here at UCD that would otherwise be, you know, gainfully employed. This is something we're going to have to discuss in greater detail in the future, the economics of agriculture in California. And uh, I think maybe a good guy to start with would be Neil Van Alphen, dean of the uh, UCD Agricultural College. Uh, I think I'm going to put a call into him this week. But anyway, I, I don't know. I'm talking to Steve Valentino, who has the 5 o'clock show here in public affairs slot. Stop making sense. Uh, you know, Steve, and like so many students, has to go out and scramble to find employment. And it used to be a heck of a lot easier if you were a UCD student. If I can arrange it, I'm going to try and have someone that let me in over there and take a look around because uh, I've got so many memories, uh, mostly very good memories, of being gainfully employed in quite a large uh, enterprise. And uh, I'm, I'm really sorry to see it stopped. They're still making tomato paste somewhere, uh, apparently in uh, mechanized factories with no union labor, a few people at work and running machines. And uh, I don't know, I'm a little disturbed by this. It's worth a, a look, and we will come back to that in the future, I promise. All right, in political news, Senator Joseph Lieberman is taking aim at Howard Dean. Dr. Dean apparently has made some great leaps forward in June. He's actually on the cover of Newsweek and Time, both this week. Uh, He's being taken seriously. Evidently, in late June, he went to the web, made an effort to raise cash, and raised a bundle, making him a serious contender. Joe Lieberman, of course. Uh, Howard Dean is from Vermont. Lieberman is from Connecticut. They both would love dearly to take the uh, New Hampshire primary next year, which, of course, is always very important to anyone who's got political aspirations, uh, would like to be president of the United States. In fact, until George Bush pulled it off um, in the year 2000, I do not believe that anyone has ever made it to the White House who did not win in his party's race in New Hampshire. So it is very important. Uh, Lieberman is saying, quote, a candidate who was opposed to the war against Saddam, who has called for the repeal of all the Bush tax cuts, could lead the Democratic Party into the political wilderness for a long time to come. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm pretty sure that Howard Dean can lead Joseph Lieberman into the political wilderness for a long time to come. 
Personally, I like what uh, Dr. Dean has got to say. I think we should have uh, a doctor in the White House. It's high time we had a physician sitting in the Oval Office. And not only that, while we're at it, it's high time we had a physician occupying the position of one of the prominent radio personalities in this nation. I think those are two things I can back up. Of course, one scary little bit uh, bit of information here on the page 32 of the Time magazine. More alike than they'll admit. It shows a young, bushy-haired Howard Brush Dean III, looking very much like uh, numerous of our DJs here at KDVS, laid up alongside George Walker Bush, who looks like a young, uh, a young uh, Mussolini brown shirt. But beneath both of their names, it says, um, you know, political heritage. Raised Republican? Raised Republican. Old money. Father was an executive at Dean Witter. That's for Dean. Grandfather was a partner in Brown Brothers. That's for Bush. Birth order, eldest son, eldest son. Howard Dean, Yale, class of 71. George Bush, Yale, class of 68. And, you know, I have to draw the line at this point. Do you think this country might be able to get by for just a little while without someone who went to Yale or Harvard? I would really like to see that happen. Where did Dennis Kucinich go to college? Now, we actually, we put some word into Howard Dean, to his campaign in May, after we uh, had Dennis Kucinich on the show, and apparently Governor Dean's people did not feel it was necessary to follow in Congressman Kucinich's footsteps, which is too bad. But uh, talking to uh, KXJZ News Director Jeff Howitt uh, last week, uh, I was lamenting the fact that it doesn't appear likely we'll get Howard Dean. He said, yeah, I think at this point now he's going to be able to pick and choose uh, which... Uh, which uh, radio stations he'll make an appearance on, and unfortunately, KDVS's chances, I think, have taken a drop. But you just never know. The California primary, probably next to New Hampshire, may be the, uh, the second most important one for all of these aspiring candidates. So, so when they come on the stump here, who knows? You know, KDVS reaches an awful lot of people with our big 9,000-watt uh, signal. Uh, I've heard it in the East Bay. I've heard it in Tahoe. You can hear it all around the area, and, you know, a coverage of millions of people. You know, and we'll... We'll give him a fair shake. We'll let him talk all he wants. You know, who, who knows? Our, our fingers are crossed. And as far as uh, Joe Lieberman and Democratic opposition to tax cuts being such a bad idea, have you noticed that we're going to borrow $455 billion this year, and we're going to borrow $475 billion next year? That's a cool trillion dollars in two years that we're going to borrow. When you borrow money, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's borrowed with a promise to pay it back. It's paid back with interest. Who do you think pays the interest? Yes, that's right. You and I will pay back all the interest. It's like they don't want to they don't want to take the money from us now cuz we'll be unhappy. Like what did Will Durst say on last week's show? You know, Americans don't want a tax cut. You know, Americans would like drive through nickel beer night. I mean, it's not what you want. You're, you're stuck with the bill. Politicians don't seem to be able to restrain themselves when it comes to spending. So the money has to come somewhere. Do you want it? It's like, the, what's that old muffler ad? You're going to pay me now? You're going to pay me later? Actually, this seems to be turning Wall Street strongly against the Bushes. This is surprising me. There's a lot of grumbling going on by uh, the people that uh, run this, uh, the finances of this country against these kind of deficits. So, uh, you know, I would, not, uh, I would not bet strongly in favor of George W. Bush's chances in 2004. And, uh, you know, you heard it here first. I still think at this point he has something of an edge, but, uh, you know, if the economy 
takes a dump here if uh, if the interest rates bump and the housing market collapses, which seems, I, I don't know how that's not going to happen. A lot could change between now and November of 2004. And, you know, judging the way the uh, Bush team, the team that backs George W. has been running the country, John Ashcroft, uh, Richard Pearl, Donald Rumsfeld, etc., I think we do need a change. We also uh, are somewhat cynical on this program at times, and I think that would... uh, that if Osama bin Laden suddenly gets captured in October of next year, uh, which, you know, helps the Bush re-election chances, um, uh, I, would, I would suspect that would, have, would, have, would be a contrived thing. And, of course, if you're keeping score, we're coming up on the second anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on America, meaning we're just at about the 700-day mark in the still- unsuccessful search for Osama bin Laden, the man who directed the attack on America. We have a call in now to L.A. to talk to our promoter extraordinaire, David Rosenblum. Thank you, Doug. You know, as you know, I am the agent to the agents to the stars. Now you book for agents. I do. Uh, Agents get 10%, as you know. If I act as an agent for them, I get 10% of their 10%. Which I guess is 1%. That's correct, you know, but if you deal with top star talent, you're Tom Cruise, you're Jack Nicholson, these can be substantial sums. Now, David, we didn't know you helped book such big stars. Well, I don't, but if I did, it would be substantial. Uh Uh-huh, well, who are your clients? Oh, I have some musicians, really, really top star quality musicians, like Meatloaf is big, I'm sure you'd agree, Iron Butterfly is cleaning up at all the county fairs, and Cat Stevens, now Cat is back, you know. This Islam thing is passe. It was just a phase. He's working on becoming a Southern Baptist now. Uh, any actors working for you? Johnny Travolta, but uh, he fired me after I convinced him not to star in Chicago. Uh. Hey, I thought the story stunk, you know, yeah. but the heck with John. I still have top-tier people like Jack Klugman, Geraldo Rivera, and Alan Young. Who? Alan Young, you know, from Mr. Ed. With this whole Seabiscuit thing, don't be surprised if another of America's favorite horses makes a comeback in the theater uh-huh. real soon. We're in the catbird seat, frankly. We now represent Mr. Ed in all media. I also took the liberty of buying the rights to the Francis the Talking Mule series. Well, David, you'll certainly have cornered the market on talking equines. Let's hope. What about this legal snafu? Aw, a tempest in a teapot, Doug. Well, are you not being sued over these paintball safaris running after naked women in the desert? No, no, I am not. The mayor of Las Vegas is mad at one of my associates, but technically, we did nothing illegal. Technically. It's just a misdemeanor charge anyway, operating a business without a license. We have licenses, I got a whole drawer full. Well, were you really going to sell desert safaris to shoot naked women with paintballs? No, we were not. Definitely not. Let me just say that, to be clear. No, we were just promoting videos of that general sort of thing. What general sort of thing? Videos in which naked women are shot with paintballs. It's a popular genre, Doug. That's pretty tacky, isn't it? It's just good, clean fun. No harm, no foul. Shooting naked females with paintballs. Look, I'm not saying it's a perfect thing, but we used actresses and exotic dancers. Professionals, Doug. A trained performer must sometimes be daring. It's part of their craft. I mean, look at Bob De Niro in Raging Bull. De Niro got shot with paintballs? In the original version? No. He got fat. But it's the same thing, a sacrifice to your art. 
being a thespian is a calling, you know. It's not like you're forced into it. It's not the military draft here. Well, I understand, too, the mayor complained that the videos sold don't even show women being shot with paintballs. What is it with paintballs? Everybody's so up in arms. It doesn't even hurt that bad. Look, the actresses were paid well for their pains. They were glad to do it. These people that want to ban everything, it drives me nuts. Like these do-gooders who keep trying to ban dwarf tossing. So you favor the art of the dwarf toss. I certainly do. It's a really? free country. Really? This is employment that brings in a lot of money, and I, for one, am proud to stick up for the little guy. Um, literally, I guess. Well, we do use real little guys, yes, and sometimes little gals. We don't discriminate on the basis of sex. I want to make that clear. Well, isn't that demeaning? Demeaning. It depends how you define... Is, dwarf is tossing? Is 1100 bucks a night demeaning? Come on. And frankly, a lot of little people we employ love it. They're motivated to keep their weight down. They exercise and diet. They watch the cholesterol. They keep in top shape. These are the buffest little guys I've ever seen. It's very healthy, Doug, and not just for our favorite dwarves. After a night of tossing those little fellas around, you know you got a workout, boy. I mean, you get a burn in the shoulders and arms like you wouldn't believe. Well, to change the subject, and, and I think we should, uh, how's your work going for the Pentagon? Oh, I'm steamed at those Brits, Doug. The naysayers saying we staged that raid to get Jessica Lynch out. Look at the great footage we got. It was exciting, thrilling, and well lit. Plus, if we go to the big screen, I want Cameron Diaz for Jessica, hands down. Who played the Iraqi lawyer who claimed he tipped off the Americans about Lynch and then disappeared? Well, you can't go wrong with Jamie Farr. He is always good. And Tommy Franks will be played by Jason Alexander if I have any say. Do you have any say? I sure do. We're not going to let some Oliver Stone type proceed with this epic. You think Seabiscuit is inspiring? Wait till you see this one. Yeah, but David, the story is untrue. What? The rescue. You, you staged that whole thing. It was a public relations exercise. You say that like it's a bad thing. Well, isn't it? We took a little creative license with the Lynch story, so it was good for morale. No harm, no foul, Doug. Isn't it wrong to yeah. fake a daring rescue when the only reason she was still in the hospital was that U.S. troops shot at the ambulance they tried to send her back in? I don't know if that was the only reason. Maybe they didn't try that hard. I'm not going to quibble. The Pentagon wanted us to tell a dramatic story, and we told it, with good sound editing and some excellent montage technique, I might add. Yeah, but you, you misrepresented the whole situation. Hey, look. Mistakes are made in war. You could argue that war is one giant mistake. Well, in the case of this war, we certainly have. Look, we'll try and continue to provide good pictures of conflicts that won't leave the public down in the mouth. We will help our military whether we are in Iran, North Korea, or Colombia. Uh, any assignments there yet? Count on us to bring you inspired stories of human drama. I'm telling you that much. Stories told with the fast-paced excitement you've come to expect in a Pentagon-produced film and video. And I'm not just reading that from the press release. Uh. Well, that's what I'm afraid of, more wagging the dog. I think we're out of time, David. Hey, you know what? I think we have a dwarf toss coming in your area, Doug. Should I send you a schedule? Thanks, but no thanks. We're, we're busy stocking up on paintballs. David, thank you for coming. You're most welcome, Doug. All right, we've got to take a short break, but we will be back with, as advertised, Dr. Leslie Lyons, who's been doing genetics work on the cat here at UC Davis, and she will explain some of the promising research that may come out of this work. 
You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax.